0: Marjorie that the best materials for evening dresses are soft satin and good quality crepe de chine. She
1: will need warm
0: scarves and wraps for evening wear. These are necessary for dances. A liberal supply of underwear, especially calico drawers. Corsets must be washable and easy-fitting. Mosquito
1: boots are a must.
2: I'm Victoria Craner, I'm the Archivist and Records Manager. I'm Rebecca
1: Tremaine and I am one of the divisors of the Archive Alive project.
0: I'm Penelope Diamond and I'm an actress and I was invited to take part in the project by Rebecca.
3: I guess to start with, Rebecca, if you can explain what is this all about?
1: This is about unearthing the archive and breathing life into it and introducing it to people who wouldn't necessarily normally come into an archive room, I suppose.
3: And I guess my other question is, what's in the archive, Victoria?
2: We have lots of stories about women who were involved in the growth and the advance of tropical medicine. And what's interesting about this project is it's maybe they may not be the big names, some of them, they may kind of been be hidden within... the collections of other more renowned people so archives arrive through lots of different ways but it's really people that are involved in the promotion and prevention of tropical diseases and public health
3: and presumably turn up as lots of cardboard boxes full of stuff
2: oh yes there's lots of cardboard boxes full of stuff but we do our best so my job or the team's job is to sort it, appraise it, to make sure it's relevant to our collections, and then we put it in acid-free containers and boxes to make sure that we preserve it for the long term. We catalogue it so it's all accessible to researchers all around the world, and then we make it accessible through inviting researchers to come and look at the material in our search room here, and also through events such as the archives, a live event, really trying to promote what we have here.
3: So tell me Rebecca about this particular event what did you want to do with trying to find some of these women's stories and how did you go about trying
1: to dig them out of the archive here? Okay well to answer the second question first um, we were incredibly lucky that Victoria and Claire and the other people in the archive did a lot of the unearthing for us. Um, somehow they tolerate me turning up and going right I've got this idea and um, I want to bring out these stories of these women, and I'm sure there's something funny and entertaining but also quite touching that's going on. And um, they let me sort of follow my nose and somehow, miraculously, they come up with pictures and letters (laughs) because they know about it. I mean, if I had to just start on day one with a load of these lovely grey boxes, (laughs) I think we wouldn't be doing it until... I don't know, the the Queen's 100th Jubilee or something. But, but, yeah, fortunately, it's a two-way process. You sort of say, this is what I'm interested in, and miraculously, the material turns up. And then we just... Penny and I worked on it together. There's lots of just sitting in here, reading things aloud... As quietly as we can, we did get a little. We we got a notice from the library itself a couple of weeks ago that we were making too much noise, which is probably a first for the archive here. Somebody (laughs) rattled on the glass and went, "You're making lots of noise!" And we were like, "Oh yes, sorry, Lady Simpson, rein yourself in." (laughs) So, uh, So tell me, tell me about the three women who have you focused on in this event. This event focuses on. Amy Carpenter, who was the wife of Geoffrey Carpenter, and they were in Uganda in the 1920s. Then we've also got Mary Kingsley, who wrote a wonderful book, Travels in West Africa, and she was in the earlier 19th century. And then we also focus on Lady Simpson and her correspondence with Sir Ronald Ross in the First World War. And she was an inventor of a, an anti-mosquito helmet. Yes, she called it the Simpsonette. <laughs>
0: I had malaria too, and we both went to hospital, had many visitors. Came home again. Went to bed again, and got up in five days. With Sunday, met the bishop.
2: (laughs) We gave
0: (laughs) the the cricket cricket tea. tea. (laughs) Jeff lectured at the club. Most excellent concert in club. Great success, especially on part of (laughs) me. Dined at Wilmot's. Dined with Howes. Left Left Entebbe by by van.
1: The first story uh, is is Amy Carpenter. And we have this wonderful journal which is like a scrapbook that she and her husband, Geoffrey, wrote together. And I love it because it's some of it is is just their lovely writing in their little fountain pen, and then there are pictures of when they get engaged, and then there's a notice from the newspaper. And it's all the sort of ephemera of their life together. And what I love about somebody like Amy is, although nobody re- really knows about her, she was there, she was getting malaria, she was going up the river, she was on on the safari. She was in the hospital with Geoffrey by his side. And it's very clear from what he says about her that he really needs her there. So I think these women play as important a part as the men, but just don't always get written down. And how about Mary Kingsley? Tell me about her. Mary Kingsley, we just had to have because we just loved her self-effacing sense of humour. I mean, People will know much more about her than I do. And I'm sure somebody would come and maybe say we've been a bit liberal with our use of her tone of voice. But I think she seemed incredibly important because she just gets on a cargo ship and sails to Sierra Leone and mm. unpacks her portmanteau and gets on with it. Like, I presume, many women of her time, her the destiny that she had prescribed for her was that she would stay in Islington and possibly support her 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 brother who was the man who took who inherited the family fortune and everything but her father had been um an anthropologist and she really wanted to live out his legacy so she just up sticks and goes but what i really like about her is that you read her writing and she's it's full of sense of sense of humor you know gosh you've got to be a better looking person than i am to wear that sort of contraption you know there's a bit of fun and I think, really, for me, that's what this is about. It's, it's with, with respect to these women enjoying and having a bit of fun with their legacy so that people come and they go, oh, yes, they weren't just these stiff Victorian women in crinolines. They, they, they had a sense of humour. They, they had beating hearts, and that's what I want to, to get going, the beating heart of the archive.
0: The ladies are divided into three classes. The young girl you address as Titi. The young person as Sister, The more mature charmer as Mammy. But I do not advise you to employ these terms when you are on your first visit, because you might get misunderstood. For you see, by addressing a Mammy as Sister, she might think either that you are unconscious of her dignity as a married lady, a matter she would soon put you right on, or that you were flirting, which, of course, was totally foreign to your attention and would make you feel uncomfortable. My advice is that you rigidly stick to Mrs. or Mammy. I have seen this done most successfully.
3: There's the, the third
0: character who, Penny, you brought to life so wonderfully. Tell me a bit about her. Um, Lady Simpson. Yes, no, she, she's extraordinary. Um, she's so um, forthright in her letters. I hadn't really taken in the picture of her until today, but she looks the most extraordinary woman, um, wearing a fantastic hat and, and, and obviously very much in control of, of every situation she should come across, I should think, and probably a bit scary to live with. I imagine.
1: 17th of April, 1917. Dear Mrs. Simpson, will you kindly send me a good example of your anti-mosquito hood to send out to the front? A written statement giving its price, where it can be purchased, and its advantages should be added. Hurriedly yours, Professor R. Ross. (laughs) 19th of April, 1917.
0: Dear Sir Ronald, very many thanks for your order. Elmwood, the tropical equipment people, are making some models, but they are very slow, and the one I have seen is not as good as my own. I am sending you my model for you to show to the War Office. On second thought, I have come to the conclusion that you may mention my name to them.
3: Tell me about her letters and what she was trying to do.
0: Her husband was, I think I'm right in saying Victoria, he was a, a, was a teacher here at the school. Yeah. And so she obviously was um, supported him and was very interested. And I imagine she thought, well, what's needed is this helmet and I'm going to jolly or have a go at doing it myself. So she designed this helmet, which to my uh, eye, sounds seems probably sure it was the best helmet, you know. And I really admire her kind of steel at kind of pushing it through because, you know, being a woman, it was, it would have been harder to be taken seriously. And um, I think it's fantastically bold to sort of write to these people and say, look, my helmet's the best and you jolly well do it but she also um i when i saw the picture i thought oh yes she really is a fantastic creature i mean she just looks marvelous i just i would love to have met her i hope she's looking down saying <laughs> not
1: bad not bad and i i love the way she when she says well i'm sure being the minister of malaria yeah, exactly that although she's yeah. sort of reverential at the same exactly. time she's teasing him yeah, exactly. as well yeah, i yeah. think yeah. she's got them running around yes, after yeah. her you can imagine you can imagine ross looking at the envelope and going another letter exactly (laughs)
0: Exactly. but no I think it's it's a fantastic opportunity and I also very much enjoyed doing the research and putting it together with Rebecca because it's it's really nice to see which pieces will work um, in front of an audience and kind of work out you know it's fun to do
1: and also the themes you've got three disparate people who their archive doesn't touch they, they don't meet in real life, but you you pick out the yeah. themes, you pick out mm. the illnesses, the heat, the the culture, the fact that they, mm-hmm. you know, there's the teas going on yes. and the bishop and you know all the all the stuff of life is yes. happening for for different generations of women. And probably if you were able now to read the diaries of I don't know Ben Fogel's wife or something, she's probably got something to say about. Him sailing naked across the oceans. I mean, her story, you know, I bet her take on it would be
3: hilarious. What can archives like this add to our our understanding of the people behind
2: this research? I think they show that they're human beings and they have family lives. And from earlier collections, we have the lists of things that they were going to take with them. Yeah, the camping list, the equipment they need to take. And then the things that would kind of remind them of home. So we've got lists of foodstuff such as marmalade and potted shrimp, and <laughs> really things that they probably wouldn't be able to get when they were overseas. So I think it gives a real human element and a real kind of um, social element. They were you know they were going over to Africa, for example, to work on an expedition, but they also had to live there at the same time so with the, within the archives we've also got the advice of what people had to take to the tropics, because it was obviously a very alien environment to um, Britain at the time. So we've got advice on what to eat and what clothes to take, what entertainment they might expect. So it's really rounding kind of the human experience of this was very important work that we're doing, but they were still living in in a different environment.
3: And obviously, because most of the research was done by men, these are the women's voices, the other side of the story
2: yeah we really wanted to show that when they were there they had their own particular roles to play um in supporting them but also doing some of the scientific work so amy carpenter did help at the clinic and she did go on safari so she really you can call she was an unpaid entomologist i would say (laughs) lab assistant yes lab assistant
3: are you carrying on looking
1: for more women's stories in the archives here we are the next exhibition will be on vaccines about which I know very little at this point, but I bet if you come back to me in four months' time, I'll know a lot more about it. And uh, we'll be knocking on Victoria's door fairly soon and going, Victoria, (laughs) what were the main advances in vaccinology that happened in this school? And are there some interesting people that we can find out about? And uh, so... That's for Archive Alive, which is our this project. And then we are also involved in an annual event called Mosquito Day, which, um, again, brings us the spirit of Sir Ronald Ross and his wife, Rosa, and matron, uh, Mary Grey, who was the matron of the Ross Institute, who has this wonderful little dog called Binky. We take those four characters and we celebrate the spirit of the Ross Institute in August uh, in the library, uh, we have a bit more fun with that, and basically we get to play when everybody else is on their family holidays in August. <laughs> uh, no, we take over the library. We do a we do a celebration of the work of Sir Ronald Ross, but this time I'm hoping that we can bring in some more contemporary work, some of the students and the alumni that we've got coming through the doors now. I mean, there's this place is just an absolute treasure trove of wonderful things for people to find out. I really encourage people to come and have a rifle through Victoria's boxes.